So this week on This Is Canterbury, I am at Food Bank Canterbury, a well-known organisation in the city. And one of those organisations that there's a lot of talk about, uh, there's a lot of commentary on in the news um, and in the papers and on social media. Um, but I really thought it would probably be good to get down here, speak to the people on the ground here, people who run the charity, the people who work, people who volunteer here, and find out exactly what Food Bank Canterbury does, how we can support it, and how we can use it if we need to. I'm David Holt. I'm one of the trustees of Canterbury Food Bank, and the trustees oversee the charity. Uh, I joined a week before lockdown, March 2020, and when I met the chairman of trustees, he said, "Oh, you'll probably do a couple of hours a week, and and you know we'll we'll meet once a month, and um, it's a fairly you know sedentary role, really." A month later, we were having meetings three times daily. So much food was going out of here that we were worried that we would run out. People had stopped giving food to the supermarkets, those that could even go there, because COVID meant that most people were getting them delivered. And it was pretty much a full-time job for the first three months of lockdown. That, as you know, eased. And um, since then, you know, we, we've been able to manage an increase of 100% yearly, pretty much. And we've managed it well. And we plan probably for the next two years that that will be that the numbers will, in all likelihood, be be similar. So you mentioned there that you started in 2020, so you started pre-pandemic, essentially. Yeah, you know that was not a thing when you when you said, "Yep, a couple of hours a week sounds good." There was there was no, you know, world paradigm shifting changes on the horizon for you. How um. How's it affected the organisation, the, the pandemic? Pandemic changed us a lot. Um, at one point, early on in lockdown, we weren't uh, if we were even allowed to continue. And um, the guidance, as you know, could be a little bit grey in a lot of the areas that, it, that, that, that when it first came out. Um, but we were, and we did continue. And we used to have internet cafes, and we were not, sorry, we used to have cafes that people came to to pick up food. Uh, we changed that to delivery because the cafes had closed because of COVID. And it, were they called cafes because people could also sit down and talk and stuff there? You know, like they, they were they were a community. Oh, yes, they were a community cafe. And also we had welfare rights advice and so on, and just an opportunity for people to talk through their problems. And So that was a huge loss. Yeah, that that was a loss. But uh, we balance that now. We have people who are signposters on the phone and who are specially trained uh, to deal with the whole range of needs that people come to us with uh, and then to point people the right way to go. And that's something that's just expanded enormously. My name's Angela Gardner. I'm the operations director at Canterbury Food Bank. Um, just going to introduce you to this. Signposters. Hi. We've got four signposters. Um, and staff. Nice to meet you. 
how do people find themselves like literally talking to you? What's the referral route? Can they just pick up a phone and call the food yeah, bank? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so they, they may have a leaflet from one of our pickup points from churches. Um, we do some outreach work where we sort of pin posters on boards, but they literally just pick up the phone to us. Um, and then we'll have a, a conversation as to what they need and why they may find themselves in the situation, just so we can signpost them further on. Um, and then we'll set up a delivery day, which is usually about 48 hours after they've made the call, just so we can arrange the delivery with the team. Um, and then they will get a delivery. Great. So yeah, it's about reducing those barriers to access and absolutely, and, you know, yeah, yeah, making that process as simple and uh, and reducing as much of the stigma as possible as well. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, we're working on that a lot yeah, at definitely. the moment. Definitely. Yeah. Do you do, do you feel that? Do you do, do you feel like people are embarrassed to to get in touch? They are. You know, people call us up and just to have that initial chat with us, it's like they're overwhelmed and they're crying, you know, because they're so upset of having to do it. But also the fact that we're like, it's absolutely no problem. And it certainly isn't anything to be embarrassed about. Um, it's probably a whole mix of emotions there, it isn't really there? There's probably is, a lot of yeah. relief involved as yeah. well. That, that, that actually but just there's the a friendly person of there. it as well. You know, yeah. the, the sort of like, that was so simple to do. Yeah. Um, and they're not afraid to call again if they need to, or, or maybe not, you know, or just refer us on to somebody else that may need to use us. So, yeah. yeah. And um, it's a wide variety of types of people from different backgrounds, different ages. Uh, you know, I expect you you, yeah. you see that quite clearly, yeah. don't you? Yeah. 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 There's no stereotype. There isn't, there isn't a stereotype. Yeah. No. I'm Peter Taylor Gooby. I'm one of the trustees. Uh, I'm a professor at the University of Kent in social policy, so I've sort of got a wider view on this as well. Uh, I've been here since 2012. Uh, that time, the food bank had just started up. We started up in the, uh, around about 2010, after the financial crisis. And all the conversation at the meetings we had was about this temporary crisis. And the arrangements we'll make to wind ourselves up when it's over. And it's only very slowly that we've realised that demand goes up every year. And it's the same picture at every food bank in this country. Demand is going up. There are about 3,400 food banks in all. Canterbury Food Bank is one of the biggest because we cover a whole district, not just a town or an area in a town. And we find in this area that what's happening is really leading what's happening through food banks throughout the country. How much of, obviously, the cost of living crisis is driving, you know, the, the increased demand for food banks and, and all kinds of charities at the moment. But food banks in particular have become very much part of the national conversation where they maybe weren't five years ago or so. Um, and people's knowledge of food banks and, and knowledge of their existence has, has gone up. So I guess it's that classic question um, of how much of the increase is just being driven by people knowing that they have access to a food bank if they need it versus the actual increase in demand. That's unquantifiable. But what I would say is that every single person that comes here is genuine. So it doesn't really matter which category they fall into, the only category category we care about is whether they can afford to buy food and they're coming here because they can't. Yeah. Um, yes, you're right. To an extent, food banks have become a political football. 
but it's not some of the claims that politicians raise that people come here to pay because they want to carry on paying their sky subscription they want to keep their mobile phones are not things that we recognize we see people here who would in genuine need of food and that may be temporary and maybe longer term and if it is longer term we do what we can the signposters here signpost them to other organizations to try to get them out of those difficulties i think hearing hearing the accusations that are leveled at people that they're using food banks when they don't really need to it just it kind of almost beggars belief because it's not you know it's not a a, a kind of a pleasurable experience you make it as easy as possible and you make it you know you try and remove as much of the stigma as possible but of course everyone would much prefer to be able to go to a shop and purchase the ingredients that they want to cook the meal they want and you know it's not coming to a food bank isn't a, ch a choice is it for many people is they're, they're here because they they have to be here um so tell me tell me a little bit about what what you offer those people and and you know what what's the kind of the first thing that um the people can can receive from what from food can i just go back one step uh and add that what we find is that demand for food bank goes up whenever need goes up uh, we had the COVID crisis and a skyrocketing, skyrocketing of demand. Uh, then we had the period after when universal credit was cut by £20 a week, and immediately we got a response. Uh, we have a seasonal variation. Uh, Canterbury District is very much a low-wage district. People are surprised to hear that because it's got Canterbury City, which is very pleasant, of course. But it's a much bigger area than that, and it's very much like one of the run-down seaside towns that you find around the fringes of Kent. Uh, and what we find there is that you get demand that's very seasonal, and, it and the people coming to us respond to the seasons. Uh, because there are many more jobs in summer. And the result of that is you can see that the pattern of demand reflects need. So it's not obviously driven by a national conversation, and it's much more clearly driven by need. And I just wanted to make that point. Yes, yeah, so I know you're asking me a different question. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, I guess the perception of people is that, you know, an organisation like this gets when the press are talking about it and when it's all over the front pages and MPs are, you know, kicking around the issue as as a football, you know, that's when people are thinking about it. And so it's at the forefront of their mind, but you exist all the way through that, before that and after that. And and the demand isn't driven by that. It's, dem it's driven by the real need of, of people in Canterbury to, to access your service. Yeah, you can see that in the figures. Now you were asking me about people's experience when yeah, first. So tell me, yeah, tell me a little bit about um, the the experience that people have using Canterbury Food Bank. Well, typically they get in touch with us either by ringing up themselves or because they're in touch with an agency like social services, some cases catching lives, and so on, uh, which points them towards us, uh, and they get in touch with us. Uh, they will talk to us on the phone or they'll talk to the agency uh, and we will assess them for their needs. And that's quite complicated because you have to not only think about why people are coming for food, but also all the other things that might lie behind that. Uh, we've tried to look at and analyse the clients who come to us 
uh, something like half of them are in paid work, in low-paid jobs or in, or in insecure, uncertain jobs. Uh, and about half are on benefits. There's a big group there, of course, who are waiting for their, the five or six weeks you have to wait before you actually get any payment out of universal credit, which many families, of course, find very difficult to cope with. Uh, there are people uh, who's had family breakups. Uh, there are people who've been evicted, and it's the least of their worries, actually, the food. But it is one of their big worries if they've got children. Uh, there are people who are facing all sorts of housing insecurity and so on. There's a whole range of needs that people have. And because so many people at the bottom are right on the edge, as David pointed out, that just needs one thing to happen, and that tips them over, and they're the people who come to us. It reminds me, you know, the the, the phrase that everyone's only, what, five paychecks or, or three or four paychecks away from needing to use a food bank themselves, you know. Yes. It's, um, it's a scary reality that actually when the economic situation leads to people missing paychecks, that, you know, anyone can end up needing to, to use a food bank. Um, That's true. Most people's experience of food inflation will be this. They'll go to Tesco after work on a Friday night and they'll do their family shop. They walk out of the shop and look at their bags and they think, how did that just cost me 120 quid? Because it only cost me 90 quid last year. Totally recognise that, yeah. People that come to us, the new people that we're seeing, are people that can't bridge that gap, that £30 a week gap. And that's all it takes to fall over the edge. It can be less than that. It's just a few pounds and you can't afford to eat. And I guess that, you know, your one of the purposes of a food bank is to stop people getting into debt because of purchasing food. I, I expect that, you know, before um, people were using food banks and, and, and before organisations, you know, were, were so accessible, people would put food onto the credit card and, and take things like payday loans and end up in all kinds of, you know, further financial difficulty, which would lead to more issues, tenancy issues, rent issues. Um, it really is a kind of a, a spiral and, and an organization like this is, is basically trying to, to prevent that spiral happening. Yeah. Without doubt, everybody that comes to us has a financial difficulty. Um, and has. Peter said, one of the jobs that we do, we're not just a sticking plaster and we never see ourselves just as a sticking plaster. Although we won't be the absolute solution ever either. But one of the jobs we try to do is to make sure that they have enough advice to pull themselves out of that debt so that the problems that they're seeing don't, don't arise again. The... Um... The, the organization is is driven by volunteers, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the powerhouse behind an organization like this is volunteers. We're sitting here in uh, in an office in the upstairs of your warehouse, and there's there's two windows in front of me that are overlooking the upstairs of your of your space here, and I can see volunteers milling around, unpacking things, packing things. How many uh, volunteers do you have here, and, and, and are you recruiting? Are you always looking for more? Oh, yes, we're always looking for more. Uh, we've got about 180 at present. That's gone up uh, quite rapidly the last couple of years uh, from just over 100. 
because um, people, I think, recognise the demand and they want to do something. Uh, so we've got a substantial volunteer force. Of course, people offer time, you know, what fits in with their lives. So we have some people who work a couple of hours a week. There's some people who seem to be, when you look round the faces, here, pretty well permanent full-time job, uh, which is great. Uh, we very, got... very Canterbury, that. I think. Yeah. I find Canterbury is the, 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 the dedication of volunteers in Canterbury across all, all the organisations that use them is, is quite something. Yeah. It wouldn't exist without its volunteers, Canterbury Fieldbank. No. So, you know, there's nine staff, but no expensive CEOs. Uh, we keep wages to a minimum. People that are staff have to be staff. It's like the warehouse manager and the administrator of the entire charity. They're paid staff because without them, you couldn't run run the organisation properly. But it's the volunteers that keep it going. Without them, we wouldn't be able to deliver any food. How how long do people tend to use Canterbury Food Bank for? Um, you know, is it a short term gap for people, or do people find themselves using it for months, maybe even years at a time? No, it's, it's definitely a short term support. Uh, to be honest, we're not in in a position to provide long-term support when you think of the cost of that over time. That's really a job for government, uh, for universal credit and so on. And we're in this situation uh, for many of our clients because universal credit has gone up by 10%, roughly, or just over 10% this year. And as everyone knows, food prices have gone up by more than 20%. Uh, fuel's gone up and rent has gone up. And that's most of people's spending when they're on a wage, when they're on the edge. So we need um, really serious support at a big level if you're to provide food aid for people um, over an extended period of time. We do help some families uh, for more than one parcel, but it's a fairly small number. I think it's about 20 a year. And you've got to bear in mind that we give out the makings of about 150,000 meals a year. It's a lot. There's been um, a, a lot of talk in the media around um, the the ability for people to cook using ingredients uh, and, and, and cook healthy meals um, using ingredients that are available to them. Do you think that there is a, a gap in, in people's skills when it comes to being able to, to, to cook healthy food for themselves? I think the biggest gap comes in their ability to afford things to cook with. Very often we're dealing with people that only have a hob. They don't have an oven. They don't have mixers. They don't have all the devices that you find in a modern kitchen. And so... They're constrained by what they have in their own lives. And the food that we provide is designed to fit into that lifestyle. And I don't think you can blame it on the people. I think you blame it on how much money they've got. Hello, my name is Liam Wycorn. I'm the operations manager at Canterbury Food Bank. So we are, we're in the, the, the ground floor of um, the uh, food bank's warehouse. This is, um, this is quite a large space, you know, two floors here. Yes. Um, but um, but it's full full to the brim and and you know it's there's whilst I've been here talking to people I've heard the shutter opening and closing yeah. things coming out things going in um, uh, you know capacity wise um, 
You're kind of close to it, all right? Yes, I mean, we are pretty well stocked at the moment. We've been through periods this year where it's looked quite bare and you can see right through the shelving units. But at the moment, we're in a good place. It's, that's a combination of things. We've had a bank holiday, so we've had less parcels going out. Um, and we have a booker's order on a, we buy in from bookers and that delivers on a Tuesday. So the sort of Wednesday and the Thursday is when we're looking quite poor. And then by the end yeah. of the week and the beginning of next week, we start to look a bit, um, a bit quiet. Like it, like anyone's food cupboard, I guess. You know, like, you're, you're basically just a, a exactly. massive food cupboard, right? A bit of right? a reflection of a, of a food cupboard. Yeah. Absolutely that, yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, yes, lots you of can tins. see, yes, you can see we've got the baked bean section. Each of these shelves holds, I think it's about 200 tins. So you can see wow. the amount of tins of baked beans. And we go through, I'll give you the March figures. We went through yeah. um, 1,600 parcels. Wow. So that's a lot of baked beans, right? Yeah, I mean, it, for sure. We're doing, say that's, what's that, three, six, nine, twelve. It's about 400 a week. Each of those parcels will have two tins of beans. That's 800 tins of beans a week. Yeah. They have to Bean, come in. Beans are a real out. staple, aren't they? They're like, a real staple. They're a real staple of um, of what um, a lot of food banks do. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, meet, they, they tick the box for nutritional value, yeah, don't they? Yeah, protein. Easy, simple to cook. Simple meal. They go, they're very versatile. Go with lots of things. Easy Long life cook. in a tin. Long life. Low fuel cost to heat. Yeah, and um, I guess there's a, a variety of different things you can do with them, right from, you know, basic, really obvious things like beans on toast yes. to, to putting them on a jacket potato with a salad. And, and you really, know, those are two of my favourite meals for sure. They're really, really versatile food. They're, they're absolutely brilliant to, to yeah. have in a food parcel. And so are these the sort of thing that's quite commonly dropped into the yeah. uh, food donation Definitely. bank? They're, a real, they're an item that everybody associates with a food bank. So we get a lot of donations of baked beans. Yeah. We do have to buy them in as well. But we do, it is something we get yeah. a lot of donations of baked beans. And then so more tins, more and more, more. Yeah, more so tins. we get the next section is the, the vegetable section. So we've got tin tomatoes, um, we've got tin carrots, sweet corn peas, um, and, and, and potatoes. And we get two or three tins in each parcel. Um, and again, tin vegetables are a really good way of getting in, in vegetables to your dog. One of your the day, absolutely loads of variety, everything from you know, bolognese to chili, you know, you can do it with a tin of tomatoes, can't you? Definitely. They're really, again, really versatile, easy to cook. And there's a good range of, of, of different brands as well. I mean, I don't know what particularly that, that means, but it's just something that's standing out to me. You so know, you it's not just, just, not just essential brands. Yes. That people are buying the top quality stuff uh, yes. to donate as well as essential. Yes. I guess, you know, food is food. And if people, you know, are picking up a parcel, then they'll be grateful for, for, for anything in there. But it is nice to see that, you know, there's a chance that somebody might not just get a load of, um, of essential stuff. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely that. You can see, when you look at our shelves, you can see the items we buy in and the ones yeah. that are donated. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. buy from Booker's. Yeah. So you can see the Booker's brand. Booker's brand. Yeah. And then all the other ranges, they're the ones that come in our donation points. Yeah, nice, nice. And so pasta, I've seen boxes of pasta around as well. Yeah, um, we go through a lot of dried pasta, obviously. Yeah. Because um, I guess that's also something which is, you can cook pasta with just a hob, can't you? Yes, again, it's a, it's a, a fairly low cost item to heat. Yeah. Um, we're not, you're not using your oven, which is the, the major source of cost in, in a household. Yeah. Um, and again, very versatile, easy to do. You've got some tin fish here, you've got some pasta. We do meatballs as well in our thing. So it's a, yeah. in, our, in our parcel. So it's a very easy, versatile, quick, nutritious, yeah. filling meal. And soups, um, you know, soups are popular as well, aren't soups they? Soups very popular. Again, a very wholesome filling. They're 
been a bit difficult to get hold of recently. They've been yeah. one of the items that um, availability has been a bit of an issue. Yeah. Um, for various factors. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've all sort of seen the gaps problem. in the supermarket shelves over the last sort of yes. maybe year or so. And that's that, why that you affects can the, these shelves too in front definitely. of me here. Yeah. And it reflects the same, the things that you can't get hold of in the supermarkets and the things that we struggle to get hold of here. Yeah, yeah. So, because um, we're buying the same, you know, the same from the same place as everybody else. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was seeing the tin desserts behind us as well, which, um, you know, that's come up in a few people I've, I've spoken to today about how it's really important just to have that routine, especially if you've got kids and you've got a family. And, yeah. and, and just because you're receiving a food parcel, that doesn't mean you don't need a dessert, you know, to have Definitely. that kind of sense of normalcy to your life. Definitely. Um, so there's lots of tin fruit and rice pudding available here. Um, and that's something which I think is really important as well. Custard, my favourite, get through a lot of that. Yeah, I can remember having tin tin fruit as a kid, so it's it's I mean it's a really important yeah definitely thing to have, definitely yeah really nice and biscuits biscuits we get through a lot of biscuits it's a yeah. it's a good it's I mean it's not only just about feeding people the basics you've got to have a bit of enjoyment you've got to have, and and they're a good source of calories as well to be honest yeah um, when you're when you are struggling yeah definitely um, so yeah we do get through a lot of biscuits again something that is donated a lot as, a, as an item that's associated with a food bank people yeah. want to give they don't just want to give the family something to survive on they want to give the family someone to enjoy, something to enjoy so yeah it's, it's and so all donations to the food bank are ambient you don't have refrigerated or frozen stuff no um for you know kind of obvious reasons i guess like you know it's, it's it makes it easier to transport to yes. store longer it's logistically life. logistically it's, it would be a, a much broader operation to incorporate fridging and, and, yeah. and freeze uh, but of course food. that's not to say that people who are who are receiving food parcels aren't able to buy fresh stuff you know yes. because quite often they might not be able to afford their full weekly shop but a yes. parcel of goods and all they you know if they wish to is add you know a, a, some chicken breast or something yeah, like absolutely. that they can do that absolutely this is i mean this is store covered items right so yeah. if you you can go you may not be able to do, afford to do a full shop but if we're giving you pasta and pasta sauce, you might be able to go and get some chicken. You might yeah. be able to go and get a bit of fresh vegetables. You might be able to go and get something else fresh. Yeah. And pick something up maybe in a, you know, in the in the yellow sticker aisles or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, ours is sort of an emergency provision, and we um, hopefully people will be able to supplement that a little bit. Yeah. Some items that they want and they can choose. So this, so there's a long table in front of us. Yes. Um, and this it's divided up into there's there's like a tape marking on the table that's dividing it up into what's that like almost quadrants i guess so um so when you're when you're fully operational and yes. th there's a line of volunteers down each side is there yes um and are they packing to order they're, so they're packing a bag made up so we have standard downstairs we pack our standard parcels so a standard adult parcel and a standard child parcel and this is where they pack those um so that's so it's a repetition exercise really it's a production line yeah um and they'll pack per quadrant as you called it they'll pack one parcel so they'll put all the items for that parcel in that quadrant and then at the end they'll bag it all up and it makes yeah. it an easy quick process which everybody understands everybody buys into yeah, yeah and they can they can do it individually or they can do it as part of a team and each get different items and put yeah. them in and it can work really quite quickly yeah and i bet there's some good good conversation going at the time people are chatting away yeah there's yeah. good there's good uh, <laughs> there's good there's good crack going on yeah, all the time I love it. it's, it's great important. because they um the teams that work they do shifts yeah essentially so the guys that are in today are in every thursday morning so they look forward to seeing each other and they yeah. catch up with what they've been doing in the week it's a really nice atmosphere it's a really really nice atmosphere yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good to see everybody when they come in because 
they only come in once a week. I'm here every day, but I get to see a different team every day. So yeah, it's really of course. nice to catch up with people. Yeah, I like that. And there's a, so there's a slip in front of me here that says uh, special diet. So, yes. so you can meet people's dietary needs. Yes, we meet different dietary requirements. We do things, I mean, we do preferential stuff like uh, vegan, vegetarian, those sorts of things. But we also cater for dietary, like um, allergens, dairy or gluten. Or, we have a number of halal orders come in. Um, yeah. And all our staff are quite, and the volunteers now, are quite well versed in those different yeah. um, requirements. And they're all um, trained up. So uh, yeah. yeah. And so again, it's something I keep sort of touching on, but it's that's really important that, to help somebody feel sort of respect. Absolutely. You know, that, they're, they're not that, just chuck some food at. Yeah. We're, we're taking care and time to understand your needs and your requirements and your family's needs. Yeah. And that's that's really important for us to do. Yeah. Definitely. Right, so let's head down to your, your loading base. So you're on um, the uh, uh, an industrial estate here in Whitstable. Yes. Um, Excuse the giggling. That's all right, it's fine. <laughs> um, so you are here, yeah, on an industrial estate here in Whitstable. Yes. Um, how long have you been here for? I've been here for about three years now. And yeah, so you've got this double height building with big shutters in front of it that you know we're standing by now. So so deliveries come in. Uh, you're buying a lot of stuff in, so yes. you've got van loads of stuff arriving that you've bought. Um, yes. And I guess somebody's also going around and collecting all the stuff from the donation points. As yes. Well. So so our large van outside that goes out on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and a Friday. It doesn't go out on a Thursday. Um, and that goes on a rotational basis. It'll go to Canterbury and it'll go to Hernbay and it'll go to Whitstable, and it will do all the supermarkets and all of our collection points and bring in all the donations from that that period. Yeah. So we have quite a lot coming in on those days. We also, like you say, we buy our own food. So we buy from bookers and bookers deliver here on a Tuesday. And they'll yeah. deliver, sort of Tuesday, you can imagine it's quite busy because we've got a van coming in yeah, and, a yeah, yeah. and a booker's delivery. And so I guess so stuff comes in. Yep. And there's a process. You're checking dates. You're checking, yes. you know, in the integrity of the of the packaging and yes. making sure that things aren't leaking and yes. things like that. And filtering out the weird and wonderful that turns up. Yeah. So I guess yeah. Have you got some wonderful stories? I bet you have of, of some quite interesting things in the. In we the... we have some very interesting things. We had some recently. We had some soap donated. Yeah. Which was half penny off. <laughs> so you can imagine the age Gosh. of that soap. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. But basically, it comes, yeah. to, it comes, this is where it comes in, downstairs, all the donations, and they're sorted on that table over there. And like you say, they're date-checked, they're processed, and they're st stored away on the shelves. Yeah. And then another, another team will be filling up the packing area so that the packers don't have to go and find stuff there, be everything easy access to, to make the operation as quickly yeah. and quick as possible. There's a real workflow here, isn't there? There is a real yeah. workflow. Everybody's quite well versed. There's a lot of, it's quite seamless now. Yeah. Everyone's quite well practiced and it's, it does run very smoothly. Yeah, definitely. So the, uh, the, the volunteer shelves in front of us here. Yes. So, so this is, now I can see at uh, uh, the bottom here, out of date items, help yourself. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people think that um, uh, homeless charities, food banks, yes. accept and give out out of date items, but you yes. don't. And I think that's for a very good reason. We don't, we don't put out of date items in our parcels. I think, um, like we've spoke about before, there's a level of sort of dignity and, yeah. a, and we don't want to be giving people food that's out of date so it doesn't go to waste we if we get a lot of what we get that's out of date we know people that will take it and will use it yeah. so it goes to those and that's about using our community links yeah um so nothing gets wasted um and then we do have a, a volunteer shelf where we encourage certain items that we can't 
give away maybe that maybe have alcohol in or DVDs or something, you know. Yeah. And we encourage donation, um, and they do. They donate in the bucket there. Nice. And yeah. We, and we and we get and get the stuff moved on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we try to be as much as possible, waste as little as yeah. possible. And I'm so, so you're, you're a very sustainable organisation in, yes, in that fashion. very much and so. And I've noticed as we're walking around the building, the lights are going off when we're not in certain rooms yes. automatically. This is quite. This is fairly new. <laughs> yeah. We've had the new lighting system put in, which is all based on proximity. So, yeah. so that's so about, saving, about energy, saving energy, and that's ultimately about reducing your bills. And, and, being, and our impact uh, on the environment. And the, yeah, so. which is rich, re really important. And, yes, um, absolutely. And I think that probably there are lots of non-charity organizations that could be following your lead on that kind of thing you know because yes. it really does have a, a, an impact doesn't it yes. so yeah we have to be a leader in that field yeah. given that what we do I we agree, have to try yeah. and set the set the that's great right should we head upstairs yes then? of course come upstairs so this this building isn't um client facing really is it no not at all we don't um i mean we we run a a complete delivery service yeah. or collection from a from a point, but we don't have any people coming here to collect food, which often surprises people. Yeah. I think that's a, a, the model that people expect of a food bank is that people turn up, they pick up their food. Join a queue. Join a queue, <laughs> yeah. absolutely that. But, um, I mean, this started during COVID where we would deliver out. Yeah. And it was just a really effective and efficient way of of getting food to people. And, and, it, and it cuts out a lot of problems for people. I mean, if there's travel costs included, there's... If you have children, you know, you've got to yeah. um, organise that to go to these places. And you, there's also an impact, uh, uh, an element of, again, nervousness or shame or these sorts of things about yeah. approaching food banks and going and queuing up for your food, which is which is got taken out of the equation by this model. So it's good. Um, so Liam, how, how long have you been um, involved in Canterbury Food Bank for? Um, so I've been... The operations manager since October. Um, I volunteered before that. I volunteered for, I think, probably about 18 months. Yeah. Um, so a couple of years now. You enjoy it? I love it. I absolutely love being here. It's um, something I wanted I wanted to do for a long time. I was really pleased I got involved. And I, when I got involved, I did a lot of the additional volunteer stuff, you know, out at events and things. Um, and then when the opportunity to take a position here came up I was I was really excited and keen to do it so, awesome. uh, last month was one of the busiest months you've ever had uh yep. tells me um is that a surprise it's just the busiest the it? busiest yeah because we just are on an upward trend now so it's not not a surprise that you're like that getting busier and busier no not really not with food prices and fuel prices mm. yeah the consequences of what goes on in the country are fairly easy to see down the line in the if there is massive inflation, we will see a massive rise in clients. Yeah. It's inevitable because the people that use our services are people that are very near the edge and who fall over the edge, largely temporarily. And a cost of living crisis cre creates more and more of those clients because, because the edge gets nearer and nearer to the bottom end of things. And it's, uh, I guess, a rather depressing thing to say, but... There, there's no light on the at uh, the end of the tunnel at the moment, is there? You know, I mean, this this is a, a crisis which doesn't appear to be, you know, resolving itself. Um, the the cost of living crisis is deepening for many people. Um, so it must be a quite a daunting time 
to be running an organization which is at the forefront of helping people out during the crisis? Do you feel daunted by it? Our graph goes north. It just heads upwards all the time, and it has done for three years since the beginning of COVID. Um, at the start of COVID, we escalated by uh, four times in, in the first month, and we managed to get that on a level of about double every year. We were doubling every year, and we still are. Um, it's not daunting because we plan ahead. I think it is worrying because there is only so much food that you can get together to feed people with. And in the end, you have to say, is there a point where you have to stop? But at the moment, that point hasn't been reached and won't be reached for, for quite some time. Uh, what about capacity-wise? I mean, you, you, you're in a, a building with walls and a roof. You've only got finite storage capacity. Volunteers are, 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 are forever hard to come by. You know, do, do you feel like as an organization you're reaching any kind of capacity point? No, no. We'll just get bigger if we need to. Um, we'll contract if we need to, but that doesn't look likely in the next few years. Um, we've got 180 volunteers. We've got nine staff, seven trustees, all of whom work very hard to, to sustain the charity. So I'm going to introduce you to um, the team of some volunteers who are upstairs packing the bonus items for the food parcels. Great. Um, so, so, yeah, Adam, yes. I can see you've got your, your name tag on yeah, around, always, your, yeah. around your neck there. Um, so, yeah, we're upstairs in the, uh, in the food bank. Um, we've got shelves all around us and we're standing. At, is this a packing table or an unpacking table? or a so, bit this is, the, uh, this is the packing table for the bonus bag area. So what that basically entails is when we send out the food parcels, it's kind of split into two amounts. We have the kind of standardised food parcels that will go to every household based on adult and child. And then we have this area where we kind of tailor more to the household's needs. So if there's young children in that household or if there's, for example, they need baby wipes or if they need anything for their pets or they have any special data requirements, we can kind of tailor it exactly to what they're looking for. So we're making sure the right donations go to the, the people who need it most. Yeah, so it's, so it's called a bonus bag, but really a lot of this stuff is, is essential, isn't it? You know, I mean, well, all of it's essential. And it's the bit that surprised me uh, the most about Canterbury Food Bank, and that's that it's not just food. You know, you've got toiletries here, you've got things that actually people need to, um, you know have a, a, you know, a, a chance at getting over the humps that they're facing in life right now, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes you might have a request come in. For example, it may sound really silly, but they may ask for something like hot chocolate. Yeah. And if you can provide that hot chocolate, and that was part of their normally weekly shop, they wouldn't have to go out and buy that hot chocolate, so they can then use the money that they have there for something else. Yeah. Or things like pet food, for example. Pet food's a big one, obviously, because the price of it is just very, very high in general, it's only getting higher. So if you can take that burden of that specific item off of the weekly shop, they can then better manage and yeah, yeah just help them. And there's around. no judgment, is there? You know, you, there's no judgment about what people need. You know, like you say, if it's on their weekly shop, they need it. It's part of their life, it's part of their routine. And I think a lot of what I've been hearing is about helping people kind of just find that routine again in their life because things have, you know, collapsed financially for them. 
Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, with, with all, you know, all the bills going up and inflation and everything else increasing, I think it can only kind of take one or two bills that you aren't expecting. And we'd all kind of be in a situation that we didn't necessarily yeah. think we'd be in. So, yeah, if, if the food bank kind of bridges that gap and helps people to get back on their feet, then it makes complete sense. Um, what's the, um, the the biggest kind of surprising thing that that you you found working um, or volunteering here at the food bank? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's really that there is no kind of set criteria for who is going to be requesting anything from there. Isn't I don't think any specific demographic or any specific location or anything like that at all. We really do cover the whole of the Canterbury area, every nook and cranny. And it goes out to so many different families and needs for so many different reasons. Yeah. So I think for me, that's probably the one of the biggest surprises. Sound like um, you're very resourceful here, but that's part of the uh, part of the job description, isn't it? In an organisation like this, you have to make do with the situation and with the resources that, that you have. Yes, I think that's true, and you have to be versatile and find new ways of using the resources better. And I hope we're doing that all the time. One thing that we've noticed uh, over the last couple of years is that demand's going up, the amount of food that's coming in is going up, but it's not going up fast enough uh, because food's more expensive. So all the kind people who give us food just can't keep pace with the demand. They have to feed themselves and so on. So one thing we're doing is buying in more and more food from cash and carries, and we try to get it as effectively as possible, of course. Uh, but that's a big area. We're spending something like £40,000 this year on buying in food in addition to the food donations. Jane, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. Are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Are you all right if I chat to you? Yeah. yeah. How long have you been volunteering here for? Um, three and a half years. And what made you um, volunteer at, at, at the food bank then? Being really honest, I was a full-time carer um, for my dad who had dementia. He lived with us and when he passed away, I felt really lost and I just mm. wanted to, you know, carry on trying to help some, someone or do something to be helpful because I'd worked in the NHS before, so... I was that kind of way so inclined. It's in your blood, Karen. Yeah. 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 Um, and like Adam, I do obviously Thursday mornings. I come in Wednesdays um, afternoon and work downstairs and then just come in as and when needed. You, you enjoy it here, obviously. Yeah. You, you, yeah there's you a good community of volunteers, isn't there? Oh, there is, definitely, yeah. And good camaraderie between all the volunteers. But, you know, it's just that thing that you're trying to help someone, aren't you? And, you know, unforeseeable circumstances. You just yeah. like to think that someone else, you know, would do the same for you, don't you? Yeah, um, none of us know if we might need to be on the receiving end of this help. No, know. nobody knows. Yeah. You know, one day everything's okay, next day, some, you know, circumstances change, don't they? It's been an incredible experience visiting Food Bank Canterbury here today. It really is a community within our community and it's a community that deeply cares for the people around them who are going through hard times. There's no shame, there's no judgment and it really has been actually a very uplifting experience visiting this place today. 
they need all the support they can get so please donate cash food and your time to one of Canterbury's finest institutions. Thank you.